Well, with that, I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into a shortened series. I'm, I'm going to be concluding our series this morning, and we're going to be talking about what we just experienced a little of the prophetic. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much to sit here and make you even bigger in our hearts in worship, to hear the reading of the scripture, and to be reminded of, of how grateful and thankful we are to a good God who loves us. Now, as we open up your word and we study some scripture and, and you have given me thoughts in my heart and things to share with your people, I pray your anointing be upon my words and on our hearts, God, that we be opened and sensitive to not just somebody saying a sermon, but what Holy Spirit you want to say to each and every heart here this morning. Go before us. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Uh, when I was about 18 or 19 years old, I had an amazing opportunity um, stepping into the world of ministry. I knew by the time I was 16 years old, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a preacher. I, I delivered my first public sermon at the age of 15 uh, in my youth group, and uh, I was hooked ever since. And the church that I was at was about four or 5,000 people. And the senior pastor wanted to raise up um, younger ministers, which I thought was phenomenal. And I want to do the same here as well where we're discipling disciples and we're pouring into the next generation going after revival. And in this internship, they were teaching us all the fundamentals about ministry. So I got to learn how to officiate weddings. I learned how to conduct funerals. Uh, they taught us how to construct and put sermons together. It was a wonderful time. I mean, for a 19-year-old kid at that time to see this megachurch senior pastor officiating a funeral and then right afterwards come into the room that we were watching in. We were watching in the cry room with that one-way mirror type of thing. And he came in and he says, okay, so this is, I did this during the funeral. I did this during the funeral. This is why I did that. And he just explained to us his thoughts and his process, uh, his prayer exercise and what he did to officiate that funeral. And we were really blessed. Well, that was the first lesson I ever had on a funeral. And just a couple of days later, I get a call from the church receptionist and she says, you know, the pastor can't make a very tiny little memorial service and was wondering if you could cover for him. And I'm 19 years old, never done anything like that. I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, well, it's not a service. It's, they just need a minister to be there to pray and to be available to encourage the family. Only about 10 people. Uh, the lady who passed away was 94 years old. It's just her immediate family. I said, okay, I could do that. So I show up to, it was called Eternal Hills uh, Cemetery and Funeral Home uh, in San Diego. And I went and I showed up and I walked into a room that was just a little bit bigger than this. And it was a standing room only. Apparently at 94 years old, uh, Little Missy was pretty popular. And the, the son-in-law uh, of the deceased, he comes up to me, he goes, I didn't know she had this many friends. I didn't think all these people would come. Is there any way you can put together a service? I said, could you give me a second? <laughs> I went over, there was this little ledge and I sat down and I, I said the deepest, most eloquent prayer I could muster up. And I just said, help, help, help. And so I stood up there and for an hour long as a 19 year old who was given one lesson on how to do a funeral, the Lord carried me through that entire hour. And it was a glorious celebration of life. And that was over 20 years ago and uh, 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, wow, I, I, you know, I had to trust God. I had to follow his lead. But now looking back at it, I really see that it was one of the most prophetic moments of my life. Can you imagine standing in front of a hundred people and you have to conduct a funeral for grieving hearts and you have no preparation? 
You have no notes. You have to 100% rely on the Holy Spirit to, in the moment, give you the words to speak. It was one of the most prophetic experiences I've ever had. And today I'm going to conclude our series called Powerful. We've looked at healing the sick. Pastor Ron gave a dynamite message last week on evangelism. And then today we're going to conclude in the prophetic. And I want to talk about the prophetic ministry, how that's a benefit to us personally, but how much of a benefit and encouragement it is to others. And I'm concluding early because God specifically gave me a different direction for next Sunday, and I'm going to be obedient to that. But today we're going to walk through what prophetic ministry looks like on an individual basis. And in the scriptures, prophecy is everywhere. I mean, prophecy is from Genesis to uh, Revelation, and we know that the, the propheticness of God is huge in the Bible, and there's multiple kinds of prophecy in the scriptures. We have in one dispensation, the Old Testament, the prophets like Elijah and Daniel and Ezekiel, you know, the heavy hitters. But see, in the Old Testament, the thus saith the Lord in the Old Testament was the word of God. Many of the prophecies uttered in there were in the scriptures and became the literal word of God, the inerrant word of God. And praise Jesus that we now have the new covenant, a new dispensation where we can walk in a gifting of prophetic ministry, but it doesn't carry the weight of what old school, Old Testament prophecy carried. Because see, in the Old Testament, if you were a prophet of God, thus saith the Lord, and you were off, you was dead. <laughs> they would kill you for, for bringing forth error in the word of God. But in the New Testament, it's not the inerrant word of God, it's the inspired word of God in the sense of we hear God, we discern, and to our best abil ability and obedience, deliver that word to somebody else. And that's a whole lot like, thank you, Jesus, that we can share what we feel you're saying to somebody else, but we don't have to die if we're wrong. <laughs> and one time uh, we were ministering to a local private Christian school. It was a local Baptist church. And the senior pastor I was working under at the time, uh, he delivered a message on the prophetic ministry and gave a few prophetic words out to a Southern Baptist church private school. So the very next week, the dean of that school came to bring in correction, <laughs> you know, from this weird false teacher who came in talking about prophecy. And so he got to that scripture in the Old Testament where they said if the prophet was in error, they would be dead. And all these teenagers and junior hires like, yeah, stone the prophet. <laughs> and so they got all riled up. But that's not how we operate in New Testament style prophecy. And prophecy in the prophetic ministry in the New Testament for New Covenant Christians is an incredible delight and an amazing tool to have. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to read a very small portion of scripture because we can read a lot on the prophetic ministry. And 1 Corinthians 12 and where we're going to read today and 14 are the biggest chapters on spiritual gifts and the ability of how we, we operate, especially as a four-square church with Pentecostal ethos, you know, our foundational aspects of being a spirit-filled church. This is some incredible encouragement. And again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 1. I always read out of the New American Standard, so if you have an electronic Bible, you can type that version in. Beginning in verse 1, pursue love. I absolutely adore how the Father is always wanting us to stand in and operate through love. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Isn't that interesting? God is telling us that you should desire the spiritual gifts that I have freely given to you, but especially prophecy. There's this love and, and edifying thing that happens in prophecy. And he said, especially prophecy. Verse two, 
For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mystery. So when we, when we speak in tongues, when we pray in tongues, our mind doesn't understand it. And that's why when we heard uh, uh, tongues being spoken out, we have an interpretation. So that way it edifies the, the rest of the room. When you pray in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. You're, you're speaking from, from your spirit. You're praying in your spirit. You're, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to intercede for you in words that you can't understand or needs that you do not yet know you have. It's a wonderful tool to just uh, build yourself up. It's a ministry to yourself by speaking in tongues. In verse 3, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy, and greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. And that word is so great in the Greek, uh, the word edifying, edification. It literally means, Thayer's Bible Dictionary defines it as being built up, but also for the promotion of one's spiritual growth and maturity. So when you deliver a, a word of prophecy to somebody, it's to encourage them, it's to build them up, and it's to help them get closer to God. It's a wonderful tool that we have. And prophecy in its most concise definition is simply encouragement through hearing God for other people. Encouragement through hearing God for other people. So we all know that we can pray to the Lord. Amen? We can all talk to God and God can talk to us. I can talk to God. God can talk to me. And he can tell me things. He can help me. He can encourage me. He can correct me. So if God can talk to me, then I should be able to hear God for somebody else and deliver that word to them, to the best of my ability, to the best of my obedience, to the best of my discernment. Now, prophecy in, in the New Testament, there's uh, multiple stages of operation. Like any type of spiritual gift, whether that's healing or a word of knowledge, the prophetic gifting, it, there's three kind of stages. And the first really is simple prophecy. That's where every single believer can operate in. Simple prophecy. That's, hey, you know, I had a dream about you last night. I'm not sure if it's the Lord or me or the lucky charms I ate before I went to bed, but I just felt really strongly. It just, it hasn't left me. I really feel impressed to share this to you. That could be simple prophecy. We all have the ability. It's not the, thus saith the Lord, <laughs> you know, this, I feel that the Lord has said this and whether you agree or not, it's the word of the Lord. That's not how we operate. We operate, I feel I've heard and I want to deliver it. I had a, a prophet friend of mine, uh, he traveled the country working in his ministry to bring the Bible back into, church, into schools, into public schools. And he did it through the means of uh, bringing it as literature, but you could take a Bible elective in the schools, in public schools. It's amazing. But when he came to, uh, uh, to churches and spoke, he would operate in his prophetic gifting. And so he would share a quick little message and update on his ministry and then he would literally, anybody in the church, there could be a line of 100 people, and he would, he would prophesy to every single one of them. But this guy was so funny and so old school. He had a suit that was so big, you can barely see his fingertips, you know, his hair was unkept. And every time you came up to him, he would go, thump, right on your forehead. He'd go, boom, yay, I say unto you, my child, thus saith the Lord. You know, just so weird. So we, we don't have to operate like that when you prophesy. Just, I feel like the Lord is really saying, you know, especially when you say it to, uh, uh, to a stranger, you know, uh, especially when you're on an airplane and the Lord impresses, you know, you're on an airplane, especially me, a bearded guy on an airplane saying, I feel like the Lord God has said to me.
It's a little weird. It's a little weird. So just I feel and I just want to be obedient to this. So a simple prophecy is I'm, I just feel and, and you are delivering what you feel in prayer you're receiving to, for somebody else, but you're not, you know, without error. We, we are fleshly people that can miss the mark and make mistakes. And that's why I don't like prophesying like future dates and, and uh, political type things or outcomes. That, that was more Old Testament style, not so much New Testament, but it still happens. Uh, there's one very popular prophet up in Northern California, and he prophesied that Trump would win the election. And we know whatever you believe on that, it didn't happen that way. And what I, I loved, I didn't appreciate how he got political with it, but I really loved his humility. He got on his social media, which is tens of thousands of people, and he said, I missed the mark. I was wrong. I've never been wrong like this before, so I'm going to go to my prayer closet, and I'm going to let God work with me and figure out where I missed the mark and why I missed the mark. So incredible and, you know, great humility, and that's how it should be. We do it to the best of our ability, but if we miss the mark, hey, the results are up to God. We're just going to say, I need to have my heart as clear, as sensitive, as holy as possible so that I can be faithful in my obedience to you. So there's simple prophecy. There's also what's called the gift of prophecy. And this comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 10, where it's saying that there are various gifts that are given. This is an anointing. This is where some people have a specific gift. You know, some people have a gift of teaching where it comes really easy to them. Healing, it seems like anybody they lay hands on, they get better. It's just a heightened anointing. And so there is a gift of prophecy in which you just always hear words from the Lord and you're always delivering it to somebody else. It's this easy flowing kind of ministry that you have, which is wonderful. And then there's what's called the office of prophet, Ephesians 4. He has called some as apostles, teachers, prophets, pastors, evangelists. So the fivefold ministry. And so the office of one of these areas is where you are in some type of a leadership in which you can teach others and you can impart onto others and you can train others. So for me, I, I operate in the office of teacher, also pastor, but I, I mainly my main spiritual gifting and my main office is teacher. And so I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I operate in that office, and my job is to help train and raise up others who can follow suit. So in the prophetic, you can just use it on a, on a daily basis as, as you are a believer and just use it for edification and for encouragement to other people. You may have a gift that you need to have a place and a space to operate in, you know, and to use. Uh, the more you use, the more the Lord can bless you with, with even higher anointing. And then the office of prophet, you know, a, a place that may be your, your calling, your career, or wherever else, however the Lord leads you into that. But just note that wherever there is spiritual gifts in operation, wherever there is a gifting of healing or prophecy or deliverance or any of these other things, there's always going to be error, abuse, and weirdness. <laughs> We've all had the horror stories of being in Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches and just the weird things that happen. I mean, how many of us have ever been prayed for by somebody and they really wanted us to be slain in spirit, so they pushed us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a second-degree brown belt in Taekwondo. Don't you try that with me. I'd be like, yeah, 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 you ain't pushing me, right? But I can't tell you how many times somebody's put their finger on my forehead and done this, and I'm like, I don't want to go down. That's you, not the Holy Spirit, right? I heard one ridiculous story. I shared this with our, our, our altar workers uh, last week. Um, a pastor friend of mine 
was at a youth camp one time and the minister was trying to lead people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues. And he wanted more people to speak out in their prayer language. So he goes, I know many of you are struggling. So just start saying Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola all over and over. And eventually you'll get your prayer language. All right, that brother was reading from the Book of Mormon or something. I don't know where he got that in the Book of Hesitations or something. I mean, Coca-Cola? So There's been weirdness. There's been abuse. But here's the thing. We cannot allow the abuses and errors of humans in the past to determine how we will operate in the future. The Word of God, period. This is where we stand. If it says it, I will do it. You know, it's like Joel Osteen and, and Lakewood Church. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I have what it says I can have. It's so true. It's the word of God and whatever it says we will do. If humans mess that up, that's on them and God. That ain't on me. And it's not going to say, well, you know, there was a healer down the road who really abused it. So we're going to stay away from that. No, 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 no. The Lord tells us to do it. If he leads us to it, we will be completely obedient and walk in that. We need to study the word of God for ourselves, discern for ourselves. Even me at the pulpit sharing something to you, it's on you to examine that and to go to the Lord with that and to say, was that a right on word or was Rudy an error there? You have to, at the end of the day, you are going to stand before Jesus yourself and give your account. You know, so we have to study the word of God and come to our own conclusions in ourselves and not let people's failures or any of that other stuff. So if you're really wanting to walk in the, the gifty and the spirit, the, the simple, the, the office of prophecy, there are some things that we can do to expand our ministry and to deepen our effectiveness in it. And the first is basically the foundation of the prophetic ministry, and that's hearing God. So if you want to prophesy better, we should want to hear God more clearly. And we should go deeper before we try to go out further, you know, and hearing God more clearly. We need to work on hearing God more clearly for ourselves, because if we can't hear God clearly for ourselves, how in the world do we expect to hear God for other people? And again, God is sovereign, so he could just drop something in your spirit and just, oh, my Lord, and you have to deliver it. Absolutely. But if you have a desire, like 1 Corinthians 14 says, eagerly desire these things, then okay, I, I want to prophesy to people. I want to share a good word of encouragement to my, my neighbor, to my coworker, to my family. Okay, so I want to make sure that I'm in the word of God, that I'm hearing him very clearly, that I'm working at getting rid of the distractions or the doubts or renewing my mind, you know, so that I can hear him more clearly. Because um, we miss the mark sometimes, or sometimes the flesh gets in the way. You know, we're not immune to our, our faults and our mistakes. And there was a time when a, a prophet came to minister to a church I was at, and he started delivering some words to people. And one of the people he prophesied to was a, a friend of ours who was raised up in that church, but now has become an atheist and calls that church a cult in where she grew up in. But she was there that day with her family. And the prophet said, the Lord is telling you that you need to become a hairdresser and that that's where your pulpit and your ministry is going to be. And I was in the lobby at the time, and she comes out of the church and, and comes out to her parents, and her parents are like, what, what, what did you get? What word did you receive? Oh, the prophet said I'm supposed to be a hairdresser. Maybe that was God, or maybe it's my bright makeup and my giant red hair, right? She has this huge, bright, bright, almost pink hair, and so she was turned off by that because the prophet stated the obvious to her, and it, it, she, he didn't really speak to her heart. She's like, duh, like, you know, tell me something I don't know or that kind of thing. So we want to make sure that we hear God 
clearly and we can deliver something to somebody that is in the depth of their heart or something they had a dream of a couple weeks ago or something that they've been wanting to be confirmed, we want to hear God very clearly. And again, the best way I, I know to hear the word of God is the Bible. It's the literal voice of God that no matter how you're feeling, no matter what sin you've been in, no matter what you've gone through, if you can open up the word of God and read, you can hear the voice of God. But then in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and, and in Romans chapter 12, we hear about the renewing of the mind. And that's as simple as saying, I'm not going to dwell on things that are earthly or of the enemy. I'm only going to fix my attention on things that are of heaven and the word of God and my father. I'm going to focus on these things. It's a practice. And it's a foundational thing we do in the church. So it's like, hello, every believer should be doing this. But sometimes we slack or we forget or so forth, you know. So we have to do this practice, and sometimes I even take it down to like a children's church level. A friend of mine uh, ran an incredible children's ministry, and one thing he taught the kids when they said something out loud that was a fear or a doubt or something, he goes, okay, well, I'm not sure that thought came from God, so if that's a bad thought, why don't we take it and throw it in the trash? And he would make all the kids, when, when he taught that, take it and throw it in the trash. So here I am, a 37-year-old man, and I still do, okay, I need to take that and throw it in the trash. You know, Sorry for thinking that, Lord, help me and, and help me to renew my mind. Do you keep your mind renewed? You keep your nose in the word of God, he's going to speak to you. you know, And you're going to learn new things about the Lord. Uh, it's just going to be an incredible journey that you have with him. So when you obey God and prophesy... I want to encourage you, make sure it is based in love. I'm sure we've all gotten prophetic words in the past that were not based in love or had some hatred or had some, you know, distaste in them. But we need to operate in a way where when we give a prophetic word, we're doing so in love. This is not in your bulletins. It's not on the screen. I just felt led to share. We read 1 Corinthians 14 about prophesying and love. But in the chapter before, we have the love chapter. I think every Christian, when they get married, they're automatically uh, forced to put 1 Corinthians 13 on their wall somewhere, somehow. (laughs) It's a rule. If you're a Christian, you get married, you need this on your wall, right? (laughs) And then also the Joshua one, as for me and my house, it's just, how can you be a Christian without it? But we read about love and all these things that love is, but, but look at how it begins. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. That's an incredibly powerful statement. So when we prophesy, it must be in love. And if you are not prophesying in love, biblically, I believe you're off. You need to take that to the Lord and find some correction because the point is to bring encouragement to other people through the prophetic ministry. And and this is why I don't rebuke and I don't uh, prophesy sin into people, you know, and prophesy what they're doing wrong. Um, Now, there's exceptions to the rule. I got a friend, uh, very popular uh, prophet, Sean Smith. He travels the world. um, And he shared a story a couple weeks ago. I was listening to a sermon and he said there was a young man And the Lord kept impressing on him, go talk to him about not living with his girlfriend. And he kind of avoided it for a little while, but eventually he went to the guy and said, hey, uh, you know, sorry, can can we step aside? I don't want anybody to hear this. But I I heard from the Lord that you're really being stunted and hesitated because you're living with your girlfriend. And this guy broke down. 
he broke down because he was wrestling with this weight and this tension of this sin, living a double life. And, and he was just rocked to the core with guilt and shame. And he just had that confirmation and was able to get free from that lifestyle. But did you notice how the prophet didn't stand at the pulpit in front of everybody and say, you, sir, you're in sin and you need to rebuke? That's not love. You can accomplish the same thing. You can do tough love in the same way in the loving kindness of our father and bring him aside and do it in a proper way. But I don't tend to do that often um, just because, hello, uh, it doesn't take a prophet to point out somebody's sin. <laughs> I can't tell you how many drunk uh, homeless people I walked by next to a liquor store or 7-Eleven and I was able to speak a word to them. I don't have to say, the Lord says, quit your drinking and quit your drugs and get off the street. No. See, the, the point of prophecy is not to point out the dirt in people's lives. It's to move the dirt out of the way to grab and expose the gold that is in their hearts. Because somewhere along the, the road, they, they buried that gold of who they were, a child of God and what God declared over their life with all these troubles and worries and sins and mistakes and failures. And all their lives, people are constantly telling them about their mistakes, constantly reminding them of the failure that they are. But when a believer who is walking in the love of the Father steps to them and calls out something that the Father has said in confirmation and encouragement, powerful things can happen. And so we need to, to be the voice of God and the voice of love to other people who are desperate to hear a word. And we've all been in those places. And I, I had a church plant, and we all know the story, working a full-time job. Nikki went through one of the hardest things she's ever had to deal with in life. I had to close down a church plant of 18 months, 100 people, people who loved me, who walked life with me, who left other churches to come with me. And I had to shut the doors of this church down. I broke hundreds of hearts. It was one of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make. And it's still to this day, I have people from that church four years ago, three years ago, that still don't have a church home. They still haven't found the right place. And I live with that. I live with my decisions. And I, I allow the, the Lord to love on me and I have no condemnation. But it was one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And there I am living in a Motel 6, living in an RV, going across the country to a brand new state and no job, just completely on faith. And I just remember one night just going through it. I mean, you, we have emotions. We, we have those moments where though we know better, we just fall apart and just complete burnout. I don't know if you've ever experienced true burnout. It is, a, oh, it is one of the most miserable places to be on earth. And I reached out. I have several friends who have ministries of their own who walk in the prophetic. So I called my friend and I, I told him, and this is a guy I had covered the pulpit for me. He spoke at my ministry school all the time. We text each other all the time, go out to eat all the time. I said, brother, I'm just going through it. Uh, I'm burnt out. I, I can't hear God. I'm, I'm falling apart. My emotions are a mess. I, I could really, really use it if you could pray for me and just give me a word. I just need a word of encouragement. And I was shocked because he didn't say, okay, let me pray. I'll get back to you. He said, you know, brother, in one sentence, you know, brother, the best prophetic word is one you go to the Father yourself and get. I said, whoa, okay, duh, I understand that. I'm a pastor, I read the word of God, I pray every day. I know that getting a word from him, but right now in my desperation and my hurt and my pain, I'm reaching out to my brother and asking for help and encouragement and I gotta know. I said, whoa, okay, that was weird. I got plenty of prophetic friends. And I went down my contact list and called one after another and I got the same thing. So I had to sit back and wrestle, and I said, okay, God, why? Am I off? Is this trend you? 
Or is this trend that they are too afraid to give me a word? And I had to wrestle with that for, for the longest time. And after years of praying through it, I, I come to the conclusion that I feel biblically, if somebody came up to me and said, I need a word from God, I'm going to put my hand around them. We're going to take as much time as we need to say, Father, there's something you want to say to your daughter. There's something you want to say to your son. We ask now that you would release that prophetic word to the heart and whatever vision, whatever picture, whatever word, whatever scripture that comes to my heart, I'm going to bless them to the best of my ability. The prophetic ministry is so incredibly powerful when you release that encouragement to somebody else, but not only to other people in the same way that I stood before a hundred people in a funeral and had no idea what to say. I leaned on the prophetic ministry to be able to utter a word to people. And it was a benefit to me individually. I can't tell you in, in two decades of being a, a Christian and working in full-time ministry, how many times I went to a conference like, I just need a touch. I just need a recharge. I just need something. We've all been to that place where we just want the presence of God in a greater and a more powerful way. Where We, we just want to come back alive again. We've been so dry, so hungry, so whatever. And I just want a touch from God. Imagine if a believer laid hands on you and gave you a recharge, gave you an encouragement. Imagine if you were in a position to give that blessing away to somebody else. It's a gift that we should use and earnestly desire to bless other people with. And every gift and every discipline that we have in the faith, whether it's reading the word of God, praying, prophesying, laying hands on the sick, every tool and discipline we have should be an avenue to the manifest presence of God. When I read my scripture, I don't want information. I want an encounter. When I pray, I don't want to feel like, okay, check, I did my duty. I want to feel like I have talked to the king of kings. I want an encounter. And the same with prophecy. I'm not going to do it to look good. I'm not going to do it to get somebody off my back. I want heaven to encounter the person that I'm encouraging. And we should all have that desire. But again, without condemnation and without guilt. The last week, Pastor Ron just dropped heat and fire on his altar and gave an incredible word. I quoted him like four times in the altars workers training after service. And he shared this great story about the restaurant at Cheddar's and it, the grandma of the waitress was Celeste, correct? So we want to keep praying for Celeste and, and that breast cancer. But he sat there and he said, we're going to use our gift card. They sat down, waitress comes over. Hey, we're going to pray for our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you? And there was, and we may see God do an incredible thing with that. And I'm sitting there on the front row and my first thought was like, oh, that's so incredible. My next thought, last Sunday, sitting here in the front row, was like, dang, when was the last time I prayed for somebody? Ooh, when I eat a lot, you know? <laughs> and I said, when was the last time? And just like that, conviction came, and just like that, condemnation came. So in a split second, I switched it over to, thank you, Lord, for inspiring me through Pastor Ron. And now I'm, I'm asking you to give me great opportunities like that in my own life. I want you to give me greater courage and, and, and being brave and, and give, me, give me favor when I go to uh, restaurants. Give me favor when I go to the shops that I can do the same thing. So I started off in conviction and condemnation and I moved it into a prayer. So I'm saying today, my challenge, my encouragement to us here today is let's do the same with the spiritual gifts because they can be intimidating. Laying hands on the sick, what if they don't get healed? What if? Prophesying to somebody and they look at you and like, woof, you're crazy. What if? See, our job is not the res results. Our job is obedience. And I want to encourage you to be in such love that even if you prophesy to somebody and it was off and they yell and curse you out and walk away, you can say, well, now I have somebody to pray for. <laughs> and your heart can still be guarded and happy. So as we move in, we've been talking about several supernatural ministry aspects of our faith. 
And it's not this, I want to bash you because you need to do more or because you're a four square church that you need to be the one that's going out there and doing all these signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm saying God wants to express his love through his power. And he's in the business of using us to carry that out. And let's be obedient. Let's keep it simple. Let's experiment. Let's go out there and see what happens. Let's not be afraid of risk. Let's not be afraid of mistakes. God's grace covers all of that. Let's be more, more focused on his word and being obedient to what his word and what his voice is calling us to do. Amen, family? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. And I thank you, God, for this time. And I thank you, Lord, for a church where we can wrestle with these things. I thank you for a church where we can praise you and worship you and hear the the speaking and the reading of the word of God. I thank you that we can be a family that ministers to each other and encourages each other. But God, thank you that you have given us a hope and a future. You have not left us as orphans. Regardless of whatever age is in this room, you have more for us. It doesn't have to be intimidating, God. So in the name of Jesus, I declare that you will stir up in each heart here today a greater faith, a greater courage. Most importantly, God, let our spirits swell with the love that comes from heaven. Let our hearts be overflowing in love to where it's no longer I need to prophesy, but I must because of this overflow of love that you have given to us. God, thank you for this next week as we go to the restaurants, as we get phone calls out of nowhere, as we text our friends, as we have a Bible study, as we are at our cubicle at work. Give us opportunities, simple, simple opportunities, but God, powerful in your kingdom. May you lead us and may we follow you. But surely goodness and mercy will follow us. Thank you, God, for your loving kindness. Thank you for who you are. And now as we go into a brand new week, into this Thanksgiving week, we thank you first and foremost for all that you have given. And we ask that you would go before us and make our hearts sensitive to where you're leading. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, family. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving.